Hello, Cyclocross friends, and thanks for tuning in to episode 247 of Cyclocross Radio. On today's show, we are quickly covering the Wout Miss and Boom and everything that happened there, and then we're jumping in to the Pan American Championships that happened this past weekend in Garland, Texas, before we do a quick Nationals preview before we all head to Illinois for the U.S. Cyclocross National Championships. Before we get on to all of that, I just want to remind you about a couple things that we have going on with the Wide Angle Podium and related properties. Go to WideAnglePodium.com. Check out all of the podcasts that we have to offer. Everybody's been putting out new episodes. I think that if you went there right now, you could load up your feed with a new slow ride, a new nowhere fast, a new Criterium Nation. By the time this gets out, there'll be a new Grodio up there as well. So new shows across the board. Go follow uh, WideAnglePodium.com. If you want to support all of the podcasts that we put out, you can join the network, become a member, and then support the shows that you want to back. All right. Also related to that, we have a Wide Angle Podium YouTube channel. Michael Bodegheimer, who is one of the co-hosts of this show, uh, is doing some video work for us. He does amazing work. He has uh, a recap of the men's elite and women's elite races from Pan American Championships. That's going to be the only video coverage that you see from those races. So go to our YouTube page, Wide Angle Podium, follow that page, subscribe to it, and then also like and follow uh, Michael's videos on there. Finally, all of your coverage for upcoming nationals is going to be in the CX Hairs Bulletin. That is the newsletter that Zach and I produce. Uh, you're going to get photos, words, the links to the videos, podcasts, everything else all in one home, including results. Uh, and, and you can help us to continue to do that work, to continue to be able to travel to these races and give you this coverage by subscribing to the newsletter. And you can do that at cxairs.substack.com. All right. Let's get right into it. Episode 247 of Cyclocross Radio we're talking about Bohm Pan Ams and the upcoming Cyclocross National Championships. And we're doing that right now. We are back in the media pit. We got a lot to cover this week. We have uh, Wout Miss. So we're going to do a little bit of Bohm. And then we are coming back domestic. We have our Pan American Championship recap and then followed up with our cyclocross nationals for the u.s preview but before we get to any of that michael how's it going bill bill zach i got a question for you what did wout say to pitters on saturday michael what did Wout say to Pitters on Saturday? Bing, boom. Ding doors, please. No, nobody. Zach? 
you posted that on Twitter, and I have no idea what the <laughs> reference was. It, it didn't even have an explainer, so I could understand what you were doing. What it, explain Bing the bong. joke to us. Um, you guys are into basketball. You should know. It's like a New York Knicks uh, thing going on right now. Bing bong. Bing boom. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe maybe someone out there in our podcast listener group will get it and will love it. There might be three of you, um, but I feel I, I feel like I feel like we've just been been shown up, uh, Zach here in the in the in the basketball world. I got a, I got another one for you. No, it's totally true. But wait, so is this a is this a troll of like the other team? So like when when Obi Toppin you know dunks on someone, do yes. they play the yeah? Bing I, bong I think thing, I think it's is, been a, okay, it's been adopted right. by the Knicks actual team and they you know when they dunk on someone yeah bing bong you know kind of just like in your face f your life um but i got another one though if you want um bing bong the nuss bus is leaving the station all right but you know what i think we're gonna put that on the back burner and start <laughs> with bone <laughs> Bill just celebrated. He just like he just he did, did like a, a celebration. Like he just accomplished something. Like that's pretty rare. I feel like normally Bill just plays it straight, but he was just like, yeah. He was like, Bing Bong. I just made a good pun. Uh, that was kind of what was going on. Bing Bong here. That's anyway. That's what Wout said to Pitter. It's like, oh, were you feeling a bit numpty out there today? Sorry, I fell down twice and still won by a minute. So we had Wout miss, which I guess to me, I guess uh, it was totally fitting for me of you know, being uh, an upper Midwestern person that I'm used to, you know, uh, snow and stuff during the Christmas season. But for Wout miss, I, no, there was no snow. It was like 75 degrees out in Garland, Texas. Uh, so I feel like I got like the the experience that like you Southerners get for Christmas, but I got it for Wout miss, if that makes sense. Um, it was a little, it was a little weird, you know, I mean, Wout has been starting his cross season in the winter. So for those of us in Northern climes, we're used to it being pretty cold and chilly outside when it happens. But for me, it was, you know, down in, down at Garland. And I have to say, uh, a thing that I'd recommend doing. So we were down covering Pan Ams and I was, uh, staying with Bodie and his partner, Emily. And we, we were in this like kind of like semi suite. So we had like a couch with like, uh, what are those that an odd, what's the thing in the middle called an like, ottoman that you can rest on? Is that an ottoman? So we had an ottoman. So we put my laptop down we all gathered round and we watched, the, we watched Wout Mist together. Uh, I recommend watching Cross with Friends. Uh, it was a great experience. I really actually legitimately enjoyed that uh, at our posh Hyatt Hotel in Garland. Yeah, uh, no, Michael. it was great times. Um, like, you know, like it's it was fun to sleep in, drink coffee, watch Cross, and then go to Pan Am's. Once again, you know, being the guy who's excluded for uh, for, for celebrating Marianica. <laughs> <laughs> we, but we haven't even talked oh, about it. it was also pitter's palooza zach how'd that go pitter's so pitter's palooza did not go as well i mean it went fine so here's my you know last year so we were discussing kind of so two years ago wout miss he was coming off like the the near impaling at the uh tour de france you know it wasn't the same level of we we're just excited to see him race, and we we're like, "Whoa!" He finished like fifth, right at Lowenhout. We were like, "Wow, Wout's doing great!" 
you know, last year we saw with both Wout and um, Vanderpool that they were really struggling coming into cyclocross season. Wout was coming off appendicitis, literally lost part of himself and was ill from that. So for me, that was kind of the expectation, right? It was like, wow, Wout's going to have no fitness. He's going to kind of be where Pitters was. We were like, wow, there were moments of greatness. And then, uh, you know, but otherwise reasons for concern. And that did not happen in any way, shape, or form. Like, wow. I got, it was truly wow. I feel like this is the first year where it was like, we're waiting for something special. And then like three laps into the race, we're like, guys, is this boring? <laughs> So th- it, it, this definitively answered my query from from last episode. If this was going to be the year that Ailey and the the the, the full time crossers finally were able to remain marquee players in the sport, what was playing a different sport? I mean, there was that one kind of where they come up the cobbles and they hit like a. Uh, you know, it was a run up for literally everyone. Like Wout's decisive move, he just rides it, just flat out rides the thing and gets like an eight second gap on everyone else. And from that point on, it was the race was over. Like he just buried him. It he looked so good, and everyone else looked so bad or just not as good as Wout. Like well, I think that it was shocking. The scary thing is, and 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 for the the amazing year that Wout had on the road and everything is that I really think that this is the first time in several years we are finally seeing a full strength, healthy wow. I mean, from the, you know, horrific crash from the tour de France and then the appendicitis the the next year, I think he's like actually a hundred percent here where it's, it, it could just be scary. Well, and the year before that was the contract disaster year, right? Where he uh, with him getting sued for a million euros. So, like that year was like a lost year as well. I mean, we haven't seen him, I think, on that form since twenty. I guess it'd be twenty seven, twenty eighteen, being like you know about being super fit. So it's been a while, and he won worlds that year. <laughs> when do you think the last time Wout won his first race of the season? Oh, interesting. Boy, that's, that's, I don't know. When was it? I am going to say Cross Vegas in 2016. Uh, Well, he won Cross Vegas uh, in 2016, but that wasn't his first win. But yeah, he won Brico Cross, and then he also won Trek CXC Cup, and then Cross Vegas. Yeah, that was 16-17. So it's been a while since he's come out the gun, uh, out the gate with a win. And so, Bill, yeah, you you might be right. He's finally healthy uh, during cross season, and... um, and, and and also and also he's like what twenty six now? God, he's gonna be like thirty five, right? If that. <laughs> I know that's what no, it they're seems both, like. They're both twenty six. Yeah. they're both twenty six. Yeah. I think veterans, like twenty year veterans. Yeah, no, they. I mean, they point. really are. <laughs> <laughs> They've been around for a while. Uh, so, I mean, I think the thing, one of the other takeaways too, and maybe this is a good point for discussion is in the uh, English pre-race interview, they're like, so you're doing Belgian Nats and then world. He's like, I don't know. We'll have to see, you know, we'll cross that bridge when we get to it. My theory is that he'll go to worlds if he thinks he can win. What do you guys think? So, so what's the conflict with what is, what is, what is he, why is he hedging because it's, uh, near the cobbles or what's the, or the tour de France or what's the, is that, I think, 
It's just it's just too too close to the prep for a road. Well, yeah, I think you said that it was too close to yeah to the classics, which you know Het Newsblad, I would assume would be the first one he would go. Probably still be a leg warmer race for him, but I think that's the end of February. So it's I mean it's a month away. I mean they seem to these guys seem to kind of can turn it around pretty fast. But yeah, I think that's what he was talking about. Um, I don't know. Like do do you? That's interesting, Zach. That he, if he thinks he can win, so I'm curious, what to, like what would make him think he could win? Does that mean that he, you know, loses to Vanderpool a few times but still wins? Like wins a couple other ones? Does he have to like? Does he have to beat Vanderpool in order for him to think that he can win worlds? I mean, you know where you're at as an athlete, right? I think athletes are the most honest with themselves, and you know, I think last year he would have said, okay, at worlds if things go my way, like I definitely have the form to beat Vanderpool and they almost did. If he didn't flat, maybe we're talking about a totally different story after Vanderpool crashed uh, in the first lap of that race at Ostenda. Um, But yeah, I mean, to me, it's like, I think, you know, if you have, you can assess your chances, right? I think he knows like, Hey, I need to like get an inside straight. There's been years like that. I think last year was a little bit more even, and we'll see where Van, no one knows where Vanderpool is going to be. Vanderpool comes back. Wow. It looked great. Like he looked phenomenal. Uh, he looked so fit and he was so strong and he was just, you know, with the exception of a couple crashes, but like those were affecting everyone. So yeah, what if Vanderpool comes back and Vanderpool's on the form that he showed at the beginning of last year? I think Wout right now beats him. Vanderpool that we saw that lost to Pitters at Havre last year, I think Wout's more fit. And he's like, all right, well, let's, this might go somewhere. Well, I mean, we don't even know what we're going to get from Vanderpool. I mean, he says his back problems are solved, but he has really bad back problems, and we don't know. Yeah, that's that. That was the point I was going to make. Is that we're coming? You know, I was just talking about how healthy Wout seems. Vanderpool's was, I think, more broken than he let on. I think that Tokyo crash was really bad and really messed him up. Plus, other, you know, he's always he's always been a guy who has had these physical ailments. You know, you talk about. I was even mentioning. Uh, um. Pitters and his knee is very reminiscent of what Vanderpool went through in the first couple seasons of his rise to the top where he had knee surgery on both knees coming in. You know, I mean, he's always been a guy who's who's almost like too strong for his body. You know, he's he's sort of like over over the things that he can do with his engine are too much for his body to compensate for. And and uh you know, when he's healthy, he's unstoppable and he's the best in the world. And that's really, you know, it's, it's, I know mean, there's an argument there, but it's a, it's a tough one to make that anybody's stronger. Uh, but if Wout is, yeah, at the top of his game and, and Vanderpool isn't, I think that I, I would hope. I mean, I guess this is also wishful thinking for us, right, Bodie, that these guys all show up and we see the three of them in, in Arkansas racing. I mean, that's that's what we yeah, want. Yeah, no, I mean, like, I'm excited for Worlds and I want Wout to be there um, so I can bring him more chips as I did in 2017, which is why he was so good. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I'm, I am curious also to see, yeah, where is Vanderpool? And I guess we don't, we, we're not going to see, we're not going to know about Vanderpool until Dendermonde. Uh, Boxing Day. So that's the first big matchup of all the trio. I know we want to get to to Pan Am's and leave this as just a nook, but I I guess my closing thought is 
maybe he's playing this right. We're talking about it already. <laughs> you know, he's being coy. I like it. Maybe he's doing it for the attention because it's all people are going to talk about. Is Walt going to do worlds? Is Walt going to do worlds? I think he got some PR advice, good marketing ploy. Um, any closing thoughts that Lucinda Brand won the women's race, uh, Inga Vanderheiden in true Inga form on the, when we're not going to talk about it, she comes in second, as Michael says, kind of, you know, went the distance. What did, <laughs> she what stuck it, did man? Use? Stuck the landing. Stuck the yeah. landing. Uh, you know, fast start and finished well. Um, but I think we should, wait, uh, wait, 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 wait. We got to do first non-Dutchie. Who was it? Magalie Rochette. Uh, solid, solid fourth spot there. Um, you know, not going to Pan Am's, but, you know, racing in bomb and uh, getting a fourth place. Uh, that's that's pretty solid. Yeah, and I think it's a, it's a good sign, too. And in, in her newsletter that uh, Zach talked about uh, that everybody should subscribe to when we discussed it last week, she was talking about how it was a humbling race and that she sort of had to check her ego at the door. And I think that if you looked at years past, if she had gotten a fourth place in a race like this, it would have been, uh, uh, you know, superior result for her but that she's aiming higher than that i think is uh bodes well for her going forward in the season i think it's just this this new level of confidence i did i did want to just just put a pin on the whole wout and uh pidcock and vanderpool discussion especially just in light of kind of what we're dealing with in domestic racing now even on the road and everything else where we're talking about these controversies out there you know right now it's the the in the lion's den with the payment non-payment of of uh prize money and that seems to be an issue that everybody's talking about what i love about these three is that there doesn't have to be beef there doesn't have to be controversy it's just the personalities it's the level of racing it's the excitement that they bring to the sport almost the aura of these riders that we're super excited about it and that's that that's the kind of thing i i, I just think it's that x factor that you really you, you can't I, I don't even know how to explain it, but we all know it's there and we all are excited about it as opposed to, you know, there've been good races before that, but that hasn't existed. So yeah, I don't know. I don't know how you bottle that and bring it to like other sports or to the domestic racing, but I, I I'd love to know how. Well, I was more excited to see Wout win by almost two minutes than to see like a great race between the remainder of the generic Belgians. I mean, let's be honest. <laughs> I'm more stoked about just wow, kicking the shit out of people uh, than Alien Tone having a great last lap battle. So I, you know, we, we mentioned, we talked about this in the hotel and I was like, you know, how many races can win? How many, how many races can wow win like this before we say kind of half jokingly, is this boring? But I, I actually, I, I have really enjoyed the 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 rest of the Belgian races, and we've got a lot of fun, like really good group racing, um, and I've really enjoyed that. And so it's like it's interesting though because when you bring the Wow and, and Vanderpool and Pitters, there there is an X factor. It sort of elevates everything, and it kind of becomes a different, not a different sport, but it's like a it's like a whole different level. And and it's like I don't know. They're both they're both enjoyable, and I like them both if they're both good. So I, I don't. I guess what I'm trying to say is I'm not trying to nag on either either way. That I, I'm I'm happy that we sort of had these different levels right now, and it's been a pretty good Euro season so far. And uh, I, I can't kind of complain. Actually, I got to say I'm kind of stoked on Cross right now, and maybe we'll get into that a little bit later. Why? 
Well, that, I guess that's a that's a good segue then to to Pan Ams. I mean, I think to start right with the elite women's race, we'd be lying uh, if we let me do see if I do this right. If we said that everyone was there, right? I mean, it was clear that Claire Hansinger chose not to race. Megaly Rochette planned on racing. She made other plans. Uh, I, I, in a way, like I mean, you want to see Rochette race, and she would be a very worthy uh, person to get the jersey, but. Let's be honest, on that course, uh, Rochette would have won by quite a bit, I think, save a mechanical. And I think that we benefited from it because the racing was great. We got to tell the story of some different riders. And I guess I was kind of happy uh, that, you know, the two in tandem chose to not be there. And we got to see a really good race in the elite women's race. And obviously then in the men's, basically all the hitters were there. Uh, Michael Van Ham got on his plane. Um, but I, should we start with the course? I, that was my first time going down there. Bill, where should we start? Yeah, I, I think that we should definitely talk talk about the course and we can also reminisce about the uh, 70 plus degree weather that we all enjoyed as we prepare to make our way to Wheaton, Illinois, where today I believe it was 17 degrees. So a little little bit of a change, but but I, I did want to just follow up what you were saying about Magalie Rochette and her decision. It's interesting, the cancellation of Canadian Nationals caused her to change her schedule in that she did not race Pan Ams and instead took on extra European races to her benefit. She got second in that World Cup. That was amazing. I don't think she would have been in that World Cup otherwise. Uh the the other side of that coin is that Canada and the Canadian Federation was going to send some athletes to Pan Ams, but after nationals was canceled, they kind of went all in and sent pretty much all of their athletes to Pan Am. So we had 20 plus Canadians. You're like, well, it's just 20 plus. Maybe that's not a, in, in seem like a huge number, but in the aggregate, these fields were not that big. So that really made up a lot of the uh, junior U23 and elite fields, which was great to see. And it really set up, you know, this this nice battle between uh, United States and and Canadian athletes. And I'm I'm glad that they they were. It sucks that their nationals were canceled, but I'm glad that they were able to sort of you know rally and all come down to Texas for Pan Ams. So starting with the course, I had, had any of you, had you had ever been to, no. to resolution? Michael, had you, you had I've been, oh, been I, I've seen photos uh, of the wooden section before in resolution. So I've heard it's been really heard. It was good. So I was excited to be there, but I didn't even realize that whole other field existed because all the photos were of the wooded section. Cause kind of makes sense, but uh, no, I, I was, it was, it was fun to check it out. It, it's also, from what I understand, just talking to the promoter, that that wooded section from years past was cool, but they've really done a lot of work on it, and and you could tell. And it, it was just from the lines in there and from the elevation change and just from the whoops. I mean, it's the kind of thing that, you know, I could see, you know, we have sort of like little sections like that in D.C. where you like all go with your friends and you have those secret little place in the woods with these cool little ups and, and downs and whoops and you go and, and, and play around on there. And that's 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 what this reminded me of. It was very, very mountain bikey, but yet super rideable and with a great flow for a cyclocross bike. Yeah, this course kind of, I mean, I guess in terms of that structure, so you had the woods, uh, you know, you had the sand pit, which came very early in the lap. It was an uphill sand pit, which created, you know, its own little little challenge. And we'll get to the elite women's race. I think it made a difference, uh, which Michael 
was there for. Um, and uh, if you haven't already checked it out, Michael put together some. You turned those around quick. Those Thank were you. so well done. Like you really, you really freaking nailed it, dude. Um, and you were there at the spots. You told a great story with them. Um, but then you go, they kind of like swoop through this open section. They go in the woods. And uh, it kind of reminded me of Rochester in a way. You know, the woods was kind of this one section. But then after that, it was like wide open. I mean, they taped this baby. What do you guys say? Like 30 feet wide at some places. I mean, this was like U.S. Nationals tape wide. And it was in a field. Um, it was deceptively uphill. So the start finish straight was kind of at the high point of the course. And so it was these long false flats. And we'll get to that. They favored a certain... Um, Brerick run. His name doesn't do well for Brerick runner. It doesn't work that well. Um, one Eric B. Uh, yes, uh, favored him pretty well. But then there was another kind of technical wood section at the end, uh, and then kind of a 180 onto the pavement into the finishing sprint, which was an uphill sprint, which also played a role in the U23 men's course. So definitely, uh, you know, balanced. I think the wood section kind of. Um, you know, provided a nice compliment to the wide open section, but it was very much, uh, I think, a power course, uh, you know, and especially two guys, the two walls. So there were two walls, but they were the kind of thing that you needed a ton of power to get up. It's like almost like the, the most technical features on the course also favored the riders with the most power. Well, and that's kind of the interesting point. And as we talk about the woods, you see all the photos from the woods, but the woods were kind of a when it came to racing, really a non-factor. You know, I mean, I mean, I don't, I don't know of anybody in the elite races that really got it wrong. I think the factors were more that really difficult uphill sand section that you talked about, and then just the the lag, the leg sapping field sections of of these these long uphill um, just stretches that that more decided the race than that wooded section. Should we do the we yeah the elite women's race? Let's do the elite women's race. So this one was kind of interesting uh, to me. You know, you had Ruby West. I think that she's shown she can win. She's, you know, been a top U23. She's won U23 Nationals. She's won U23 Pan Ams. Um, but you look at going in, you know, you had to look at Raylan Nuss as a favorite. I mean, she's her results speak for themselves. She raced tough against West twice the two times they raced at, at NoHo. Um, but, you know, she described it in her NoHo interview that she hasn't learned how to win races yet, right? She's new to the sport and that skill. And so, you know, that was part of factoring into to why I thought Ruby West would win is just that knowledge of, of how to win bike races. Um, you know, and in the end, the two of them kind of delivered. And we had a few other riders who kind of had a... Uh, a chance to shine, but it seems like, you know, kind of in the end, it really came down, uh, to those two, uh, any surprises, uh, for how, I guess the first couple laps played out, uh, to you guys. I, I think that Raylan Nuss's confidence and her ability to be able to be confident in a race really showed in their, those, those first couple laps. And we talk about kind of the two, on this show, we talk a lot about like strategies on on where top riders place themselves, and you know you look at the, like I, I think you're going to look at like a Denise Betsema versus a Lucinda Brand. You know, it's go out hard, try to win from the front, and I I, I think that's kind of the the uh, strategy that Ruby was taking, where she just wanted to just break it up early, get out early, hurt people, and see if she just could maintain that, and 
Raylan had a fine start and she just looked comfortable and placed herself almost at the back of that lead group, you know, fourth, fifth place. And that's, that's kind of that, that all star star spot that we talk about. I mean, that's, that's Sven's spot. That's, that's where uh, Wout would sit and, and be able to read a race and then figure and Lucinda as well, read the race, pick your spots and then go from there. So I, I think just placement of where people were, was really interesting to see. And I think a lot of, a lot of just maturity. Yeah. I was going to say, I think, uh, you know, going back to Friday and, you know, we got there after driving eight hours and really popped out of the car and it was, you know, let's watch the pros, you know, pre-ride. And, and a lot of them were hitting the lines in the wooded section. It was, you know, I'd love to see it when it's like you're at a ski slope and there's people lined up for a jump. Um, but uh, we saw that Raylan was sessioning those walls and it not looking too good, like not really getting it, kind of going back and forth, talking with, uh, I think, Chris McGovern and, and just sort of other folks about how to hit it. And Tobin Ormblad was kind of giving tips, but didn't look super confident. And then, you know, come race day, she just kind of makes the decision, right? Like you can't, like you, you can't hop the barriers every time, then you run them. She just, she just ran it. She ran the walls and got off quickly and, and, and hoofed it up those walls. Like, I mean, you see it in the video I did, like on the first lap, uh, she's with, she's right behind Crystal Anthony and Crystal Anthony goes up and, and rides and has to kind of really push at the top to get over the, but Raylan jumps off and, and kind of sprints up the hill. And so it's just that decision, like, okay, I'm not going to make this feature. Like I'm going to win a different spot. Let me cut a loss or just like be smart about it. And so to see her do that was really cool to watch it on Friday and then see it happen on Saturday and sort of this goes back to, I'm going to toot my horn a little bit. I, I picked Raylan to win. Um, and I sort of had, had, you know, I was saying that, you know, Ruby is strong, but we don't know where the depth is. You know, she hasn't raced that lot. But Raylan's had this whole, has raced all season long. And so has got some of those experiences she's talked about, you know, you know not being able to win races, but like just kind of sessioning things and knowing when to like hold them, when to fold them. And I think that experience uh, in the season paid off. And it was it was just really cool to witness that in person because I haven't done it in two years. And uh, yeah, it was awesome. To Bill's point, you know, I think Raylan did get off to a better start. It was funny <laughs> on, was it Saturday, Sunday morning? Sunday morning, uh, Emily, Michael's partner, Emily, was reading my race report. And she's like, you forgot a quotation mark. And I was like, oh, my gosh, <laughs> I don't want to do that. And so I'm, I'm going through and I'm looking and I was like, I literally did not forget a quotation mark. I know I was up late, but I spelled, I checked this when I woke up. Uh, and it was because Raylan Nuss had referred to herself in the third person. And she said the, uh, the scouting report, it's Raylan. Uh, the scouting report on Raylan is that she doesn't start well. So she's well aware and I'm sure it's something that she worked on. And so she was uh, in a good position. Um, but yeah, it seems like, you know, Bill, to your point, Ruby did make that play. So she was pushing hard. I mean, Michael, you have some great shots of her just obliterating it in that field. Uh, and I was texting with um, Michael Vandenham and he was like, dude, like this heat was just not cool for Canadians. And I think that if she made a mistake, it was under it was not the kind of race where a Canadian who's used to being in Canada should come out and go out super hot. So I think she made a huge mistake in racing like that. Whereas I think Raylan from being from Missouri, <laughs> maybe she's more acclimated. Like she could have done that. Like, I think that Ruby should have raced how Raylan raced. So I was, uh, I shot photos for, for 
Ruby and she's looking through them and she was like, oh my God, I am so cracked in this photo. And it's a photo of her coming through the sand. And she's like, just look at my face. I'm just so cracked here. I was like, Ruby, that's 45 seconds into the race. <laughs> it was like lap one where she's like leading everybody through the sand. And she was like, oh yeah, it went south Yeah, early. I mean, speak of the heat, like, look, I live in New Orleans. Like, I know what it's like, but I, on Saturday, ran... I don't run. I'm not a runner. Uh, I just don't run. Uh, I was sprinting on that course to, to be able to get from the woods to the field. I was like, these are my sections and where I can cover the most. And um, at some point, I mean, during the, the race, I, I think I ran up to Bill and I was like, <gasps> like in a huff and puff. And I'm like, I'm like, I'm like dripping with sweat. Like the sweat was running down my arm onto my camera so bad that I thought I was going to like short out the camera because there was a literally a river. And like, that's how hot it was in December in Texas. And I lost my water bottle. And at some point I texted my girlfriend and I was like, Emily, I'm out of water. Like, do you happen to have, and she met me in the woods with the polar and I chugged it. And I think I missed like one lap of the men's race. Cause I was like, I just have to drink some water. Um, so yeah, the, it was, it was hot there folks. And it was like, yeah, it was like 78, but like it, it was a hot 78. After the race, multiple people, multiple people was like, Zach, did you get caught? Did you get doused in champagne? And I looked down and my, I'm covered in sweat. Like my entire shirt is soaked. Like I didn't even realize it. I was yeah. like, wow. So it was, it was super hot. Well, the, the, the funny thing is that is that I came into this event and was, I don't know if publicly or not, but was a, a little a little myth that they had broken up the juniors from the the U23s and the elites just because, and I understood, I actually talked to the promoter and he was like, well, our, our rational now was this way, juniors, if they were coming from out of town, could come in Saturday, not miss any school or whatever, and then race on Sunday, and then most of them are going to nationals. Anyway, and I was like, that makes sense. But if you had a a team that supported both U23s and juniors, you were you just were shouldering the expense of an extra day. So that was like that was my argument. But I, I it was it was fine how it turned out. But after we were covering those races and we were doing four races in that day. I was like, just imagine if we had done six races in that day, it would have just been like, it, it's going to be, I think conditions wise, even though it may be 20 degrees, I I'd much rather run around in 20 degree weather and cover six races than, than, than what we had. So I would, in that case, you know how it all turned out, Jeff Lucido happy with your decision to have, have those juniors on Sunday morning. So the race ultimately uh, came down to it. Michael, I guess you were there uh, in lap five that another one of Raylan's decisions is that she talked about nailing where to dismount in the sand. So this is like the kind of stuff that we totally nerd out on, right? Like dismounting at the right place to carry momentum. So I don't know. In lap two, I guess she said she biffed it. And so actually this is kind of Ruby and was it? Hannah Aaronsman, I think it was Ruby, yes. Ruby and Hannah Aaronsman got a gap because Raylin kind of got stuck in the sand, slowed down. And cause there was kind of this dip, like you could ride it, ride it, ride it, but you had to be really strong. There was like this dip, maybe 20 yard, 10 yards from the exit where a lot of people were dismounting in races at every category across everything. Um, but she like, was like, Oh, I should dismount there. And so again, she played the same thing and Ruby had ridden it. Cause Michael, you had the video from the first lap. She just, 
road right through. She thought she could ride it. Lap five after you're blowing up in the heat, uh, not so much. Uh, and yeah, Michael, you were there. You we were kind of yeah. It was at it, it was a great. Well, she also it was just great. You know, I happened to just figure out where to be and just you cover the sand. It was easy to get to and have a nice full head on shot. And she's coming towards me. And yeah, and you see, you know, Ruby had bridged up back up to Ray Ray Lynn. And so had sort of dropped Earnsman and got onto Raylan, and then they went to the sand together. And then Raylan, you know, does her dismount, runs perfectly. Ruby almost rides all of it, and then she has to dismount on the dirty side because she gets her front wheel kind of stuck. And then when she jumps off, you can just see in her face because I happened to film it in slow mo that she is cracked. And then, but props to Ruby. Ball cracked, she remounts dirty side. Um, but that gap has been opened at that point, and I don't think she comes back. Do you also do you think that by Raylan getting there first, it, it looked like Ruby was had was pushed to her right a little bit, and that line for the riders was far left. And it does look like she got into that deeper sand which kind of you know just really not to say that she would have ridden it cleanly anyway because that corner you know every race that corner was giving people problems but she was not in the line that she was able to ride it earlier and she really got bogged down in that sand there was only one line and it was super evident on sunday it was like you were in that line and it veered off because i was trying to take photos and it was like you had to be in the right spot before it veered off and got too far away from you and if you did not veer, <laughs> you were getting off your bike. So, yeah, I think that you're right, that there was just there was a line that you had to hit that got worn in. Um, and it was super fluffy once you got out of that line. Yeah. The, the other interesting part of that course that is is worth mentioning that really didn't that thankfully did not uh, affect the winner or even. I think the, the the podiums for either races it did it did later on it did in the junior races is that there was a grass to asphalt transition that was really sketchy and every race people were going down in there and it was it was close it was about you know 30 seconds 30 seconds to a minute from the finish line so it was the kind of area where they were pushing to go back uphill and sort of make that run for the for the finish and uh just uh, I, I know Crystal Anthony that really ended her podium uh, possibilities. She was up there, really having a really good race for a while, went down hard there, and then actually got up and got her handlebars <laughs> stuck in the tape. And that took you know took an extra fifteen to twenty seconds to to unfold. And it it was just kind of it was this it was this part. It's like all these little things that you have to take into consideration when you're in a course and it's the kind of place where you really want to just be pushing hard. And it's, it's almost like having to force yourself just to ease up and take it easy on that section. And it's, it's, it's tough to do because it's nothing that looks like necessarily dangerous. It's just innocuous, but so many people going down and that's just one little section. Yeah. I didn't publish this part, but uh, really Nuss was talking about how she, Michael alluded to her, she, she she was riding if she was if the nus bus got going 
on Saturday and was on, you know, full speed going down the highway. She was on the struggle bus <laughs> during free ride on Friday. And she talks about how she, she was like, look, I crashed at every single one of those locations that you can crash. And, you know, she got initially, I think, got a little bit of a gap because Caitlin Bernstein went down. Uh, there was a high speed corner coming into these set of chicanes. And, you know, there's some of the spots. It was, it was Texas grass. So it was, it was uh, short. It was dry. Might not been much there. And uh, I think she also crashed. I know one of the corners you're talking about, Bill, right before the woods, I think she also crashed there on Friday. So she was like, she kind of knew the speed limits. And I think that played to her advantage of knowing which corners had those speed limits uh, on it. And I thought that was another interesting thing that she talked about. Uh, Just interesting, too, to see her progress. You know, she's relatively new to the sport uh, and just picking up on this stuff, you know, that you hear cross racers that have been doing this for a really long time uh, talk about. Yeah, I will say I, I said that it did not affect any podiums, and that is incorrect because it actually determined the winner in the junior men's race. Second place actually crashed in that section, and then Bridget Tooley uh, crashed in there while in third place, and her and uh, Cassie Hickey swapped oh. positions for the U23 women's uh, race for third. She crashed like right for the finish there, or oh wow. Yeah, right in that in that in that grass to asphalt. Yeah, I actually got a photo. The the one you know, you always look for those storytelling photos. Like she's coming across in fourth place with the you know the the truss behind her, and she's just like staring at her bloody <laughs> elbow. I'm like, there's the story of the race. <laughs> so another good battle. I mean, we probably I would call it the second best battle of Saturday. Because, uh, spoiler alert, there was a pretty good one in the U23 men's race. Um, but uh, Hannah Ehrensman and Caitlin Bernstein were just going at it. So Bernstein crashed, and she was back in fifth or so. She bridges up, and the two of them were duking it out. I mean, for the last, what, three laps? I mean, second half of the race, they were inseparable. Um, they were just, like, throwing haymakers at each other. You know, it's coming up. Uh, and, you know, Hannah Ernstman's been racing forever. She has so much experience. And Caitlin Bernstein, I think, is one of these riders that's kind of, like, making a name for herself. And there's, you know, I was I was standing there. They're coming up. There's this long drag, right? This long false flat section that goes up before, you're, um, you know, pit two. Hannah Ehrensman attacks, like she attacks and goes around Caitlin and then Caitlin attacks back. And, uh, in the end, Caitlin Bernstein ended up getting the best of the battle, which was really cool to see. And, you know, she talked about strategically, she's like, I need to get to the woods first. And so she did everything she could, uh, to get to that last wood section. So, oh, just a neat little battle, you know, for the third podium spot. And, uh, that's a cool thing about how Pan Am's worked out. You know, I'm all about that. You know, some people are like, oh, well, this doesn't count. Like, oh, I don't care you got to show up like you got to show up and race. And, you know, especially for a championship, I think all the credit goes to the riders who show up. I love that we got to tell these stories. I think it's really neat that we get to talk about these riders in a way that we wouldn't, if they were battling for, for sixth, instead it's for a podium and kind of on the meaty pit. That's what we talk about. So I don't know. I thought it was kind of neat how things worked out with this elite women's field. And I think it's cool. We got to see and tell the stories of some of these women that we normally otherwise wouldn't. Yeah, and Caitlin coming across the line, it was like, you know, for her, that was a huge win. I mean, a podium at Pan Am's was, you know, that's a that's a career a career race for her. And and she got to show off those sweet leopard skin uh leopard uh pattern of bands <laughs> on the podium. So it worked out for all of us. 
Yeah, second only to Magali Rochette for her <laughs> celebrating like she won uh, at Best on Sound. But Caitlin Bernstein <laughs> right. was pretty bummed. Like, it'd be tough to match yeah. Megaly, but uh, yeah, it was really, really neat to to see that. Should we uh, yeah. talk about that men's race? Oh boy. Uh, you know, so for the, for this, I was, I was thinking about it today, and I don't, I don't know if this is a good jumping off point or not, but I'll, I'll just start here. You know, you know, on Sesame Street, where they used to do one of these things is not like the others, and they'd have like four different uh, <laughs> objects or whatever in squares. And I, I think if you if you had Eric Bruner, Curtis White, Gage Hecht, and then <laughs> Kerry Werner in those boxes. <laughs> That that would that would be the one of these things is not like the other where I think that if you took Bruner, White, and and um um, who am I, Hecht, they're kind of all out of the same mold. I mean, just huge engines, just these bike racing machines, uh, but maybe like more power than. They're they're all great bike handlers, but I think if you wanted to, you know, if you were picking your player, their their strengths would be power over handling. Where Kerry also super powerful. I mean, obviously, he, you know, he's got a huge engine as well, but not maybe not to the same level as those guys. But then handling wise, I think he's superior. So he's sort of like the odd man out in those four favorites that we have going in. That that I was just that that was how I sort of categorized the the favorites for this race. I don't think you could have created a course that was less suitable to anyone wanting to pick Kerry Winter corner to win. I, he did. I thought I, he must've <laughs> known. I mean, like the, and it's not the, the technical section wasn't right. decisive. It was flowy. It was fun. It was fun. Yeah. It was fun. It wasn't technical. Yeah, it was fun. I mean, there, but, but again, the two technical features were power. And we'll definitely get to where that played a role. I just happened to be there when it happened. So I'll talk about it in a little bit. Um, but then, I mean, it was wide open. I, I don't know if our photos did it justice, but I mean, there's that one section, Bill, I think we were both at, at it in the U23 women's race where they're just, they're coming at you for like 15 seconds of just power. And then they go past you and they keep going up the hill. So it's just this long and tailor made. I mean, that Eric Brunner is tall. He's thin. Arrow, he's, AS. You know, power climbs. Oh God, yeah, he has like thirty-six centimeter uh, handlebars, but just perfectly suited. He knew it. He's just like, this is my time. I'm gonna put the herd. I so Kerry was in trouble, but guys, we we've had like the the we we had glue gate. We also have chain gate. We've uh, we've been losing riders left and right at the start of these races, and uh, we lost one at the start of uh, another favorite goes down. Yeah, you know, um, filming that race, uh, you know, running from the start, the start paddock was pretty far away from the finishing truss, and then from the first feature was the sand pit, and I did not leave the finishing straight in time, or the start paddock, so I had to fit, get my first shot from the finish start truss, and then I ran to the sand pit, and then I went to the past the jungle gym, and I see Gage running. And I was like, oh, crap. So we know that he had a mechanical. He's running to the pit. Going back in the edit, I look at my footage. And when he's rolling through the start finish, he is already looking down at his bike. Um, so, yeah, I don't. Do you know exactly what happened, Zach? 
He stopped. Like he had to stop. So I don't think it was a chain snap. I think yeah. his chain maybe fell off. But it's kind of interesting because he got all the way. So you went uphill. It was like 150 yards uphill, 200 yards. Then you went through a concrete chicane, which riders thought was pretty sketch, which I think yeah. is pretty sketch. <laughs> I I hate turning on concrete on squishy tires. Yeah. But then he kept going. So he went all the way to kind of that first drop-in turn before he stopped. He had his hand up, and then he stopped for good. So he was in he was in the hole from last, you yeah. know, 30, 30 seconds, 45 seconds. I, you know, I don't know if he even fixed his bike because we had to move on. But it was like I got – he stood there for 10 seconds. I assume his chain fell off or something or got jammed or something because he tried to put it back on versus running. Right. And But then he eventually had to run. Yeah. Yeah, because didn't you have him running after the sand? I do have him. Yeah, yeah. So he, he must have ran from that first section before the sand all the way. I think he was even kind of kick pushing it at some point. Um, but yeah, because he could have gone downhill after that. But right. He couldn't pedal. Yeah, I mean, in the and so just to talk about this course and it being powerful, he goes from last to he ends up in sixth place. Um, so very, very suitable course to gauge. Um, who knows what? I mean, would have been great to see gauge and uh, you know if he would have had something for Brunner. Um, if he hadn't had the mechanical. Yeah. I mean, w- w- you know, we can just sort of get the, the gauge part out of the way. Uh, but that was, it stunk for gauge heck, but it was fascinating for the rest of us because we knew, I mean, the guy's not going to quit and we knew what was going to happen. And he basically started in that last group. And then these just groups started forming. And then you just watched him just blowing through these groups and he would latch onto one Catch his breath, move to the front, close the gap down, move to the next group. And he must have done that like three or four times until he was in that in that second big group that he I think he ended up winning that one for that sixth place spot. It's just just I mean, it's just it, it was one of those things that, oh, if he had been up there, it could have been a little bit of a different race for sure. Yeah, it was funny looking through my photos. You know, first I have him. He's like coming up on uh, Felipe Nystrom, uh, the Costa Rican representative. Maybe we'll talk about him at the end because great story. You know, then he's up to like T-shirt guy, Josh Bauer. And Josh had like an okay race. And then he's up to Casey Hildebrandt, who had a really good race for him. He's a Wisconsin guy who finished 14th. And then, you know, then he's getting into like the Caleb Swartzone who finished 10th or whatever. You know, you just see him moving up by like the riders that you know they're at these different levels. You're like, oh, yeah, he's, he's moving, but I think he ultimately ran into, you know, the race favorites. Like he couldn't kind of overcome the, you know, the other three, uh, and then, you know, into our challengers, uh, section. So Scott McGill, he started out fast as always, not too many fireworks early on. I felt like the first couple laps were kind of riders feeling themselves out, you know, Brunner put in some time at the front, uh, then, um, White put in. You know, Carrie was on the front. Curtis was on the front. But then lap three, I, you know, I just with Brunner, it's interesting because he talks about not having any pressure. But I think you know, talking after the race, he said he had never been more nervous for a race than this one because huh. he knew he could win. Like right. he knew that he was good enough to win. And I just like I looked at Cincy day one where like it's just wild that this dude that some people don't even know. And I will say that. We've been on the Brunner train. I've been on the Brunner train. I, we have been on the Brunner train for a while. Just come in and be like, I can start throwing attacks in lap three of a long race just because I want to, to see who it hurts, right? 
So he just starts attacking. He attacks in lap three and eventually whittles it down to the big three favorites. He's just like, yeah, let me get rid of, you know, Scott McGill, Lance, hate it. You guys can't hold on to this. And he does it again. And he's like, whatever. I'm just going to keep attacking, you know? Uh, and then he did it again. Uh, I just, it's wild to me, the, the confidence, but also that he knows that he has that kind of his back pocket that he can do that to like really strong dudes is wild to me. Yeah. I think you can, and you can, I think it comes across in the video where he's just grinding out of the saddle, like legs, there's no, there's no lactic acid in those legs. Like they are just sprightly and springy and he's grinding, grinding, grinding up out of the saddle. And you, and you see like the body language of Carrie and Curtis just kind of like, Ooh, okay. It's getting a little spicy. Um, and I think in, unfortunately I missed, he attacked on, I think lap four on the start finish. And, um, I, I did, I got there too late. And what I got to film was Curtis answering the attack which then carrie got on curtis's wheel and i think that's when they dropped scott and lance and then that was a three um and, but yeah and then i think and then eric just then he just he just grinded away from him right zach he yeah, just kind of blew him boom away kind of i happened to be there so oh. it was the the so it was the first wall that was a little bit more rideable and then there was the second wall uh and brunner uh, I just happened to pick this lap that I was going to go to the woods and Brunner rode the second wall and Curtis had to dismount and run. And I think that gave what became the decisive gap. So I think Brunner, cause I asked him, I'm like, did you know that you had a gap? He's like, no, but I kind of felt like maybe something had happened. Cause I had a little bit of space and he's like, then I attacked. <laughs> um, but it wasn't, he didn't know specifically that that happened. Um, but from there, yeah, then he just grounded out and he just, expanded his lead like well the the other story that i don't think has really been talked about here so eric brunner and gage hector the same age you know same class they've been racing against each other i think that even in pan ams when we last have it i think that uh, brunner may have been third and and gage won that i think it was lane meyer that split them up so eric brunner did time on au volo on the road Gage Hecht, A.E. Volo, Scott McGill, who was out there, A.E. Volo. I mean, th- th- this was pretty much like this A.E. Volo um, uh, crit squad uh, sort of pounding out this crit-like Pan Am's race. And it's cool. And it's all these, you know, we talk about Gl- Gage as this kind of experienced racer, but he raced up when he won that Nationals. I mean, remember, he, he, he for... Go, he did not do his U twenty. He could have raced U twenty three that year when he won. So this is really, you know, if he's just going going the course, this is his first elite year in cyclocross as well. So it's really, really kind of cool to see see these these young guns out here, and especially for those three, they're they are just such powerful riders and have all really sort of changed or at least um, made races different by being at the front over the season. The only real interesting thing was that Brunner actually dropped his chain. Uh, and he, so this was coming up right around two to go. Um, Cause the announcers were like, Oh, there's the gap is closed. And you're like, Oh, that's, that's cool. Curtis has a second wind. Uh, but it turns out that Brunner had, had dropped his chain. And I think, you know, there was some course to go and Curtis knew. So Curtis was like, this is my last chance. I'm going for it. You know, he's like, I got to do this. And Brunner was just like, I need to just make it to the long 
uphill power straight. Uh, and he did. So he still had about five or seven seconds when he got there. And at the end of that lap, it was like up to 13 or so. So Brunner knew. I mean, he was just in love with that. Brunner probably looked at that and he was just like, ha ha, yes. Ha ha. Like the sickos meme that I used for Kerry Werner for <laughs> Cincy when it rained. He's just like, ha ha, long power straight. Yes. Ha ha. Um, you know, and he knew it. And that's, I think, when the race ended. It was maybe with coming up on two to go when it was just kind of like in the bag that Brunner was had things kind of unlock. But for the forever evergreen, anything can happen in cyclocross. But did it? No, it did not in this case. <laughs> this case. Um, Any, um, anything else we want to cover in that, that men's race? I think we can, uh, yeah, Bodie. No, I just wanted to say that this was my first UCI race since Pan Ams of 2019. Um, and so I, I just, it had been a while. I spent all summer going around racing, uh, filming crits. Um, so I just, it was really great experience to be back there at a UCI level cyclocross race. And I think sometimes I, for me, like you kind of forget like how cool cyclocross is just the idea of what they're doing on these bikes with pretty much skinny tires. I mean, it's kind of silly and like the road bikes with like wider tires and just, just to be there up close and to, you know, I spent a lot of time watching this footage and just, and just, it is kind of remarkable and it reminded me why I like cross. And it just, it is a really ridiculous thing that you ride on the pavement and then you go on these BMX trails and then you jump off your bike and there's a freaking sand pit and then you're right. Like, it is like I think sometimes I mean, like for me and maybe everybody else is 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 perfectly aware of this. I need to step back sometimes from a little bit of um, what's the what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, cynicism about things. Jaded. Yeah, jaded. Sure. Also jaded. Yes, uh, Bill. You you know what I'm talking about. But I just got to <laughs> say, and you kind of need like a little bit of a dust. The, you need to shake the dust off. And I'm glad that I was able to go to Pan Ams and work my ass off. Um, but it was just great to see these elite athletes race at that level. And it didn't matter who was there. They all put on a really good show and race their guts out. And it was really cool to see up close. And there was a small crowd in, in, in Garland. It wasn't huge, but like it was, they were passionate and they were having fun in the woods and, and just, just good vibes. And it, and it, it sets me up really well for coming to chicago i'm excited to be there to see folks in chicago and to be at nationals again and i just i got a little bump i got a little like uci cross bump from this experience and i'm 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 riding high and i just wanted to share that with you guys and the listeners that cross cross is pretty cool yeah credit to the the crowd was great and i remember i chose to not go to the woods in the first lap of the men's race and just hear it. And there was someone who had one of those giant cowbells. Oh my God. They were going nuts. And you could just hear it coming, this noise coming out of the woods every lap. And then like, whenever you weren't in the woods, you're like, maybe I should go in the woods and take some photos because that's where it's happening. So, you know, you love when there's a course and, you know, Texas is... I'm probably not the most bike friendly state, but they've got a good crew of folks who just came out. I mean, there are folks that you ran into Michael who weren't even racing, who were just like, hey, I'm just out to drink beer and have a good time. And, uh, loved that, that energy. I think my one takeaway too is, um, for, you know, race, we talk about trying to make it look like a thing, Bill, you had some great shots announcers get everyone at the end of races to come to the finish. Like if they're at the venue, like all you gotta do is just people respond when the announcer tells you, like, if you're not normally used to it, Hey, 
come on down to the finish. Let's, you know, let's pack this. And I think it makes it look like, you know, that's a, a, an image everyone will see. And if it's like, there's this big crowd, it's like, oh, that's just a little thing you can do to make it seem like it's a thing that you want to be a part of. And Bill, I think you did a great job capturing that with your, uh, you picked the behind spot. It was the money. Someone choice. has to go. Someone has to go for the, uh, for the, for the behind shot. Uh, just to finish off Pan Am's where we, uh, do a quick, uh, preview for nationals. You know, we had the, uh, Canadian American battle in the women's elite with Ruby West and Raylan Nuss. Also, men's under 23, also another great uh, battle between US and Canada with Scott Funston beating Tyler Clark in a sprint. Funston also on that blue competition team. So, really good uh, weekend for those guys and Grant Holicky and that 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 small always always good to see those little teams uh pull out pull out the big victories so that was that was great run by Brunner I think the Brunner runs it so it's actually yeah. kind of his his baby and his team that he's he's running and love that it's a family affair I think we determined that uh, they've got a Brunner doing the photography so I don't know if it's one of the parents but uh, very Euro very Euro just getting the whole family involved and we we love to see that for sure uh, women's U23, Maddie Monroe, really cream of the crop there. Had a really great, great race. Was able just to, to get away early and take the win there. Lauren Zerner in second, Cassie Hickey in third. As I mentioned, Bridget Tooley, late late race crash coming in in fourth there. Uh, American sweep for the women's under 23. Men's junior race, Jack Spranger took it over um, Ian Ackert from Canada. Controversy controversy in this race uh protested race it, it was interesting no you know no no live streaming no video of this but it was a situation where Ackert was running no Ackert was riding the barriers Spranger was running the barriers Ackert felt like Spranger was um came into him while he was in in the air hopping over the barriers and and uh Acker ended up crashing. I think um, so. That that's what the protest for. That was also, but it was also on lap four of a six or seven lap race. They were able to to continue racing, and then Acker actually ended up just crashing again in that in that section I was talking about before the finish from the uh, grass to asphalt. So that gave gave Spranger um, the win without a sprint in that one. But just interest, interesting how that one came down. It was the only uh, sort of controversial race of the. Of the Pan Ams and not really, I think in the end that much controversy. We, I was talking to Ian Ackert and we were we were discussing it in F one terms of what the racing line was <laughs> and if he was into the turn first. So that's that's how far this uh, drive to survive has has gotten into uh, cyclocross. And then finally in the uh, women's junior race, uh, Canadian Ava Holmgren took the win over Chloe Fraser and then uh, Ava's sister Isabella Holmgren in third place so she's the uh the belgian whichever belgian manages to save belgium these days at the world championships for canada right like the u23 or the junior uh to get belgium uh so i mean the canadians have had some success i mean i would have to i don't remember specifically but they may have won three or four of the races in 2019 i'm not sure um usa though on home soil down in Texas, very American. Uh, nothing five out of six as American yeah. as Texas. 
the Americans. So I'm looking for, I think that uh, Canadians will have some revenge on their mind in uh, next year. I hope this event happens. Uh, I think it's an event that should happen. I love, you know, that we have it going on. Uh, we had one Costa Rican. Uh, if you haven't gone to the bulletin to read our interview with Felipe Nystrom, oh my God, like, I was just like, hey, this is cool. I took some pictures of him and I just stopped it. He was hanging out after he won the Masters 35 to 39. I'm going to do a quick interview with this guy. And wow, was it worth it. And it seems that, you know, in Portland that he's made quite the impact on the community there. Um, So highly recommend. Uh, We posted that on Monday. Um, And there's a podcast also available that he did. Incredible story. Just the kind of, you know, I reflected as the kind of stuff that, Regardless of what's going on, it's the kind of shit that makes you come back and do this and why we love cyclocross and we love the stories and we love being part of the media pit is just getting to tell those stories that are like, wow, you know, this is pretty cool. All right. Let's, uh, let's quickly before the hour runs out, just do a, do a little rundown of what we're looking forward to is, uh, at cyclocross nationals. All of us are going to be there. So I'm sure we'll have plenty to talk about after the event has concluded, but but Zach, I, I want to start with this because you, you posted <laughs> Kerry Werner's course preview, which was, uh, I think, a superior course look than what we had seen out there previously. Kerry always does a great job. I also love how just just how friendly Kerry is when he's riding around and he's sort of like chatting with people, but still making sure he gets the footage right. And uh, yeah, so it's, it's a really good look from him, but you posted it. Uh, and then you tweeted out that, you know, basically a snarky comment about let all the grievances um, about how much the national course sucks uh, commence, which is what we get every year, especially from GoPro footage because it flattens everything out. And then everybody's like, this is why we can't compete in Europe because we have shitty nationals courses, blah, 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 whatever. But all of that is to say that I don't know if you saw this, but the one reply that you got to your tweet is from Micah Rice, former um, national events uh, manager at USA Cycling, was like, I do miss this. (laughs) (laughs) You saying how everybody was going to complain about the course. Uh, Micah, he's a pretty funny guy. So I I thought that was hilarious because he was was actually the guy who was at the center of the Austin uh, Heritage Tree fiasco and then also the the parking shenanigans at Asheville and then also the, the cut, um, cut uh, TV cables at Hartford. So Micah, Micah had a tough run of nationals to have to, to have to deal with, um, you know, uh, so I think it was funny that he was the one to jump in there. That was the golden era, by the way. And the first comment on, uh, the bulletin post where we posted it literally like 10 minutes after I sent it out, Kerry Werner jumps in. He's like, dude, have you read the comments on my video? Some dude was like, this is why you suck. <laughs> like echoing Bill's thing. So here's my wow. take. So there was, uh, there was, we were in the, uh, the extended media pit, uh, secret, super secret Slack channel. I think this course looks hard. You know, Meyerson tweeted out about it. It's, the first part is pretty flat, but it's really punchy. I it came across to me how much how many times Kerry was slowing down, getting out of the saddle, and I think it's just going to take its toll uh, on riders. It's it's really punchy, and I mean ultimately, you know that's the kind of thing that may make it 
take a toll on riders and will really bring out who has the best fitness and the ability to just keep doing these, you know, over and over and over again. Yeah. It lacks the decisive feature. And, you know, part of that is not every course is going to, I mean, name like, you know, ha- what's the decisive feature at super prestige Rudervord? What's the decisive feature at, you know, random atheist cross race. You don't know. We're always like, it's not Namur. It's like not every nationals course is going to be the fucking iconic course of cyclocross. It's just not going to be. It's an event that was hosted as a one-off. They haven't been cultivating this venue for 60 years or even 20 years. Like, and that's what everyone says. They're like, it's not Namur. Like that's the response every time. It's like, what you expect like a venue that's never hosted a race and is hosting a one-off that decided to like graciously host nationals. Isn't producing an iconic venue. Wow, I'm I'm shocked. And I actually think that this course will actually I think it'll produce good racing. Yeah, but even if we have those races that match up with that terrain, I mean look at something like Louisville, there's still gonna be like complaints about it. The one thing I will say about uh the, the gauge again, you know, and we all know this with the GoPro footage, super wide angle, it's always gonna flatten everything out. But what I think what I was keying in was not as much watching it but listening and just hearing how hard Kerry was breathing on that course and this is a guy who can you know sit there and go do 70 miles at top speed and not you know not be breathing hard at all and he was he was working and it wasn't like he was going race pace i mean he was working just just previewing the course so i think that's a that's a that's a key tell to how how hard this might be out there he even said it's really bumpy right here. I mean, it was kind of funny to hear them, uh, you know, and like you said, the sand is, is too cold. The sand was hard, too cold to be hard, too hard. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I didn't understand that part either. I think things get harder when they're cold, but I don't know. <laughs> should we get to so the part we, uh, that yeah. everyone has been waiting for? Uh, we did. So let's do a little, uh, pundit accountability. Michael, I think you picked a winner. I did. Uh, for Pan Am, Zach. yeah, pick Nuss. Yeah. 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 So are we, are you going to, Michael, my challenge, I know you don't have much time, but we've talked about fan clubs. I, I, there's still time for you to come up with a novelty cardboard bus and have the Nuss bus fan club. I feel like Raylan Nuss, this is tailor-made. We're talking about like Kerry Corner and Curtis Corner. The Nuss bus, like we've got a fan club. Someone make it happen. I want to see, I want to see a giant novelty bus in the colors of the T Steve Tilford foundation being waved on the side. People, you have like four days to make this happen. I want to see the Nuss bus. And you were working so hard. I mean, it was kind of like fetch to make the Coos bus happen. The Coos <laughs> boost where his name actually wasn't Cuss, but Sep Cuss. Now, now this has just been handed to you on a platter. Hang on a second. Auto boost. Koos. Seb Koos. He's in Europe. Come on. It works. It all works out. The Nuss bus. This, thank you, Zach. I was thinking the same thought earlier. I want to see folks pick their riders and and, and pick, pick, pick a side. And we can have fun. Doesn't have to be mean. But yeah, I want to see the supporter stuff. I want to see the big heads. I want to see the novelty. You know, Carrie Warner, Curtis White, Eric Brunner. What do you got? You know, uh, Rayland Nuss, Clara Hansinger, um, Bernstein. You know, Bernstein Bear. Come on, it's right there. You got it. Like let's let's get the fan supporter clubs going, folks. 
I'll be there. If I see a good supporters club, you're going to be in my video. That's that's my guarantee. If you are there with a solid supporter club, get up. You are going to be in some video that I produce. Do it. Get like a wrestling meme for Bronner, like just have some guy with the Bronner stunner, you know, something like that. It's his marquee move. To finish my thought, Zach, did you pick someone right? Oh, yeah, you did. That's right. You picked Eric Brunner. And I key moment, Eric Brunner listens to the show because after he was celebrating, he pointed at me. He's like, you called it, bro. And I got a great photo. I didn't even realize I had this photo. I have him pointing right at me being like, you got it. And I was like, I know, man, I've been on the Brunner. I've been on the Brunner bus since he finished second to gauge at Pan Am's in 2017 uh, in the U23s. And I was like, this kid's going to be good. So I've been watching him for a while. Bill, did you yeah, pick any? Yeah, who's how, who's, how did celebrate, you, who's celebrating in the podcast studio now? Yeah. <laughs> how did your day? How did your day go, Bill? On your your picks? I, I don't I don't know who wins these races. Okay. I got oh, no idea. Oh, oh, okay. It's it doesn't matter. It it's really not about the racing and who wins. <laughs> oh it's no, really no, I about, picked wrong. You guys, you guys crushed it. I, I am not I'm not downplaying it all. I I I I am I have no skills at this prognostication. So with that being said, who do we got for nationals? Are we doing it? Let's do it. Let's start with the uh, let's start with the easy one. Okay. Yeah, let's just just go here. Raise your hand if you're not choosing Clara Hansinger to repeat as national champion. Is this is this one of those August presidential debates? Like everyone raise your hand and let us know. <laughs> <laughs> I think that audio format is the perfect place for the three of us to either raise or not raise our hands. I, I saw some hesitation with Bodie, but I'm not seeing any hands up. Yeah, I mean, hard not to pick Clara. Uh, I don't really know what to say. I mean, like, not no shame towards anybody else, but, you know, Clara is the defending champion, and she is really good. And uh, But all kinds of anything can happen. Um, what level of upset would this be? I mean, are we talking, like... You know, are we talking when UMBC beat uh, beat Virginia? Are we talking like uh, wasn't there the one boxing match? Are we talking about like when Tyson lost? Are we talking about like the uh, the the miracle on ice? Like what what's the level are we talking for Clara not winning this race? I okay. Th- this has happened to all of us. I, I I'm sorry in advance, Flow Bikes for. But this is going to be a little little bit of shade for the article that you wrote on Nationals. Bodie actually jumped in there first because they made this big point about Gage Heck being the you know defending champion, but he hadn't won a race this year. And Bodie was like, uh, by the way, he won in Henderson, North Carolina. Sorry <laughs> to kill the narrative, but he does have a win. But then in the um, the the their picks for the women's race they pick Clara and they're like well her only competition is her teammate Katie Klaus and she's not even registered for to, to race and I was like uh, <laughs> point of clarification she uh, is is registered for race but she's only 20 years old so she'll she'll be racing the U23 race so <laughs> yeah, I mean if, if that's where we're going for her competition is to try to pick out a U23 racer then yeah I think it's really it's really tough to see who's going to be there I mean her biggest competition domestically this year when the euros were not there was Magli Rochette not American so I'm not sure where you go 
Yeah, I wanted to point out too. I'm excited. This is going to get me out of bed early. The collegiate, the the collegiate varsity races on Thursday morning. We get to see we get to see double Madigan Monroe versus Katie Klaus and double Andrew Strohmeyer versus Scott Funston. I'm like beyond. St- I've never been more excited to drive and get home at midnight and then wake up and deal with Chicago traffic to go watch racing at 8 a.m. I think those collegiate varsity races on Thursday morning are going to be pretty dope. No, I'm, I'm super bummed that I'm missing them. I'm not not uh, landing until 10 a.m. But I think it, it also, you know, you talk about Maddie Monroe, you talk about Klaus. Those are two riders who, you know, just in your <laughs> every day of the week UCI race will be racing in the elite race. I think those are sort of the brow wipers for the rest of the podium hopefuls in the women's elite that, well, at least we don't have to deal with them. They're not in our category. So it sort of opens it up for the rest of the podium. Um, All right. The men folks move over to the heart of choice. Yeah. I mean, I already said, I already made my pick a couple weeks ago, so I'll just stick with it. I, I said, gauge will repeat. So, there you go. <laughs> I could not make a pick without rambling. Uh, and I, this came to me. So there's been a lot of talk about the weather. Uh, we've got, we looked at the course and a uh, friend, uh, Bolton contributor, media pit member, Bruce Buckley was like, this course looks like Madison, which is a course that's near and dear to my heart. Rode there all the time. Uh, it was deceptively hilly. It was one of those courses where everyone was like, this is literally the course, worst course ever, especially in 2013. People were saying it's the hardest. Some people were saying it's the hardest race that they've ever done um, because it's just hilly and relentless. And I think there were some some vibes to this and with kind of the prairie. And I was like, oh, OK. And we're talking about weather, we're talking about weather, right? I've said all year that to me, it's going to come down to the conditions <laughs> at nationals uh, between Kerry and Eric Brunner. Uh, might be some rain overnight on Friday. We don't know if it's going to get cold. We might get thawing. So I was thinking back, like, so the question to me, you know, are we looking at a 2012 dry power rider, Jeremy Powers? He wins, right? Eric Brunner. Or are we looking at 2013 weather conditions, more technically savvy rider, Jonathan Page? He wins. Uh, Kerry Werner. You, you you have to point out the the comparison being it was on the exact same course. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah. So this is when we raced the same course. So we're two different conditions, same course, two different kind of riders. We have two different kind of riders. I looked at this course and everyone was like, uh, you know, people were like, oh, the, lots of power. Um, I think it's a really punchy power. And I think that that's actually what Kerry can do. Kerry can't do the long drawn out, but I think he excels. I, I am picking Kerry Werner. Great. I love it. Whoa. Okay. So this 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 may have to change my my thinking here because I don't know. I, I think I'm a really bad gambling because I was going to say let it ride on Curtis White, but if he doesn't win, I don't think you can. That works. Um, but man, now you've opened up the possibility that I have White and Bruner on the open available as a draft pick. This is like Zion Williams all over again. <laughs> oh man! Or or is it Greg Oden? Or no, it's not Greg Oden. Or, or, or Sam Kevin Bowie. Durant. Oh man! Ooh, <laughs> no, we're not. We're not making those comparisons between our guys. Like that's not fair. What's a draft where there I'm were two so, really good players and that were available? I'm, I'm sorry, Curtis. I'm I'm taking Eric Brunner for the win. All right. Look at that. That's just that's just more fuel for White's fire. The bulletin board. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Put I, on the bulletin I, board. I want to hear I want to hear all about it on In the Red after he wins his championship. Exactly. I'll, no. I'll take the heat. Tony, come after us. He'll really be in the red. Um 
Yeah. I no, I think it I'm I'm excited, guys. I think that's gonna be some good racing. Um yeah. Is it gonna be cold? Should I bring some stuff? No, Love? shorts. Just the same same shorts you wore up Pan Am. Okay. It'd be good to go. It's actually supposed to be like forty five on Sunday. I think it'll actually be tolerable. So that's shorts weather you're saying? <laughs> No, oh no, no, no! It's actually worse. It's actually the the kind of weather where like you're gonna dress to be cold, but then you're gonna overheat, but then you're gonna take off the the extra layers, and then you're gonna get cold again. It's actually worse. I'd prefer it's either fifty or thirty, forty. Uh, to the wire, like no one, no one, no one gives an f about a forty degree day. And when it comes to to covering cyclocross and being out there, no one wants to cover cyclocross in a forty degree day. Stringer as bell. long as it's not as long as it's not 30 and raining i'll be fine fair fair 38 degrees and 17 mile an hour winds okay wait which day is that sunday two o'clock oh they changed it's going down all right now we're getting now oh, this is getting good we're getting some conditions there'll be good faces i mean someone someone did an entire book about 2013 nationals in madison because it was just so epic they were like this is so epic we're gonna do a book about cyclocross so um I'm excited. I'm stoked to be going back to Chicago. I know mom, she listens to this podcast. She'll be excited that Zach will be home. So excited to do it. All right. I think we did it. Hi, Zach's mom. Hi, Zach's mom. (laughs) See you next time. Hang in there, kid. Bing bong. There's an elegance to bike racing. For all its technology and engineering, it's a simple question of physics. How do you move a body through space as quickly and efficiently as possible? When the rider and the machine work as one, it's almost as if the solid world has melted away and all that remains is the spirit, the pure, raw, and unfiltered soul of sport. Life is measured in many units, miles, kilometers, kilos, and pounds. But we measure it one corner at a time. We've entered the golden age of crit racing, the most exciting spectator event in sport, where all of human drama plays out before us on our city streets. On this show, we bring you the news of the day and take you inside the personalities of the teams and riders and right up to the gates of the premier events in the world. Welcome to Criterium Nation. Criterium Nation.